Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Pod bless everybody. I'm your host of OPP, Corey Cambridge. And before we get started with this amazing episode, I want to tell you about my other show, Silent Giants. Silent Giants is a podcast that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. Ever wondered who made the MTV logo? Did you know the person who wrote Earth, Wind & Fire's hit song September? Also wrote the theme song for the hit 90s TV show Friends? On Silent Giants, we learn more about these amazing people and dig deep to learn more about their most famous works. Be sure to check out Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Now, let me introduce you to our special guest of OPP. Hi, I'm Avery Truffleman. I'm a staff producer at 99% Invisible, and you're listening to OPP. God bless everybody and welcome to another episode of OPP, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is Avery Truffleman, staff producer of the hit podcast 99% Invisible. Hosted by Roman Mars, 99% Invisible is a weekly exploration of the process and power of design and architecture. In this interview, I get to chat with Avery about her upbringing in New York, what the transition's been like for her living on the West Coast, how she became the producer of 99% Invisible, we get her podcaster's picks, and of course, we chat about the dope show she produces, 99% Invisible. So, on to our exclusive interview with Avery Truffleman. Hello. (laughs) Yo, Avery, what up? Hi, thanks for having me on. Yo, it's such a pleasure, yo. Okay, so first of all, uh, I've learned from the world of interviewing uh, that people have very unique voices. And what makes a good interviewer is not just the questions that you ask, but the voice that you have. You kind of remind me of like the Sade of podcasters. Oh my God. That is yo. the highest, highest compliment. <laughs> well, first of all, as, as I'm looking at you via video uh, with like the dark, like mood lighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our studio is really, really dark. That's the thing. When you were like, I want to do this on video, I was like, all right, you're going to see the Bat Cave with this one lone light. It's very Sade in here. No, it's, all you need is some, uh, some incense and you good. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. A thousand percent. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I just took a very leisurely lunch break to go to a museum with uh, my friend Allison Ariev, uh, who's an amazing urbanist writer, thinker, um, which is nice. We were just talking about how we feel really guilty for taking this long break and going to a museum at lunch. And then we were both like, no, this is part of the creative process. And I like saw things in the museum <laughs> that reminded me of what I'm working on. And it was cool to run my ideas by her. So honestly, I'm feeling like a little inspired, a little guilty, a little refreshed, a little nervous. All the things that come with taking a leisurely lunch break. I hope my boss doesn't hear this. Yo, so Avery, tell me more about your background. Where are you from originally? I'm from New York. 
Um, Wait, what? Where, where are you? Where are you from? I mean, Westchester. Like, not. I'm not from. Well, I'm born in Brooklyn. My parents met working at WNYC, so I'm a radio baby. And then I was born, and they moved to the suburbs, and that's where I grew up. And um, my parents are super cool. It's not like they like gave up their cool lives and became boring. Like my mom worked in uh, museums. She worked at the Bronx Museum. And uh, my dad worked in public relations. And we were always like city people. We were going, we were like taking the commuter rail to the city all the time. And that's, I think, why I go to museums on my lunch break. It was always like, go to New York, take advantage of it. And I always thought that being a suburbs kid made me appreciate the city even more than I would if I actually lived in the city because I can't go home and take a nap. Like if I'm in the city, I'm in the city. I'm in the city all day long and I'm milking it. And just so many uh, memories of just like pack a bag, put some snacks in the bag. Like you're going out, you're going out all day. You're taking the last train out of Grand Central, (laughs) like as much life as you can pack in your day. Um, So definitely I think that and that attitude instilled in instilled in me by my parents and being in proximity to this amazing metropolis uh, gave me a lot of skills that I have today. Did you always have an interest in wanting to be involved in like the public radio or I guess it wasn't called podcast. There was no podcasting then. It was just there public radio. There was no radio. podcasting when I started. It's so funny. I think about this all the time, how I had the great good fortune of like this timing in my life worked out pretty fucking amazingly. Like, I can't believe it. Because, um, you know, I wanted to work in public radio. I thought I was basically, like, taking a vow of poverty, was going to, like, move out to some small town where I could work at a regional station and, you know, try to find some way to make the kinds of stories that I wanted. I mean, there were no outlets back then, but I just loved it. And, I, you know, because of who my parents were, I grew up with the radio on all the time. Um, And I always knew it was a job. It wasn't, you know, my parents worked at WNYC. They were like, that is a job that you can have. They were not, they were not like, you're crazy. What are you doing? And I knew they loved it. And it's funny because I, I sometimes I'm like, well, I didn't always know I wanted to be in radio. But I recently, a few years ago, I found these mini cassette recorders, these, like these, these mini cassettes. And I borrowed an old recorder so I could listen to them. And they were recordings I'd made of myself when I was nine Wow. interviewing my little sister who was six and I was like this is Avery the reporter and I was and it's so funny because I'm asking her these questions I'm like so you know it's a hot day outside how does that make you feel you know and she's <laughs> like six years old and I'm like I don't know it's hot and I'm like well no be serious Dorothea like let's talk about this it's so funny so clearly that was always there to some degree that I think I you know I only knew what was accessible on like TV shows. So I think the thing that was in my mind was a journalist, you know, like a Lois Lane journalist, a hardcore, hard hitting journalist. Who could have ever imagined that I would wind up in the namby pamby artsy fartsy world (laughs) that I (laughs) float on a bed of clouds on now? I mean, I'm so lucky. I can't believe it. What was the transition like uh, moving from the East Coast to the West? such a good question, Corey. I'm like, I always say that it took me two years to get over the culture shock. Because I, so my, I had, a, I had family in the Bay Area and it was why I was able to move out here. Because I started as an intern at 99% Invisible. 
And 99% Invisible is a really, really small show. I mean, it was kind of them to pay me. It was very kind of them to pay me. They were like barely scraping by on Kickstarter money. So I was getting like $700 a month. So I was living with my aunt. Um, so I knew San Francisco a little bit. I'd gone on a lot of trips to visit my aunt and my grandma, which is really lucky. I, I got to experience a very, talking about like changing cities, I got to see a very different San Francisco when I was 14 years old. But moving out here and then moving out to Oakland because the show is based in Oakland was just like, I remember the the most the most salient thing was I was like, no one in this town will tell you how they're doing. You know, the, you'll be like, how are you? And people would respond with some nebulous like Marianne Williamson sort of, oh, I'm going through a period of a lot of transition right now or like oh, I'm going just through some difficult things. I want to be like, what happened? Like, did you graduate from college? Did your dog die? Like, what happened? And I always used to joke that New Yorkers will just say the most recent grievance. that ha- They'll be like, oh, the subway. Or they'll be like, oh, it's like work is killing me. Um, so it's, it, and it's funny. And now I find myself, when people are like, how are you? I'm like, mm, just going through a lot right now. Like, oh, no, it's happening. <laughs> I've become an, a wimpy Californian. Oh, no. And the other thing, the other thing is like, there are so f- I, I wasn't expecting this to be a factor. There are like just fewer Jews out here, which is weird. Like, so my hair is short now, but when it was really long and really curly, it was just funny in the Bay. People would be like, so where are you from? Which, <laughs> or they'd be like, what are you? I'd be like, what? Aren't we all Jewish? Like, I thought every. <laughs> yo, yo, you know what's wild, Avery? Like, real talk. Growing up in Virginia, I, I didn't know that. Uh, I thought that Hanukkah was this kind of like, was like white people's Kwanzaa. You know what I'm <laughs> Like, I had no Jewish friends. I had no idea about, like, anything about Jewish culture. Yeah. And it wasn't until I moved to New York, and I was like, I remember going through an, um, I, I had just gotten here. I was going through Williamsburg, and this is pre-Uber. This is when I was in a, a black car, when you had to oh. hail, mm. hail down a black car. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was on the phone with my mom, and we're going through Hasidic uh, Williamsburg. And I was like, Mom, there are all these Quakers around. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the cab driver goes, they're Jews. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I had no idea, dog. I thought they were Quakers. That's so sweet. That's so <laughs> sweet. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, th- that was like surprisingly a weird thing about moving here. And then when I go down to L.A., I'm like, ah, my people, like people are speaking Yiddish. And I'm like, you know, back in my like coastal bubble. And like this is there's still a lot of Jews here, like. You know, it's still a bubble, but it's not as bubbly as New York. And so it's like, honestly, it's kind of an interesting experience for a white person to have. Like people wanted to touch my hair. I was like, what? It was, it was wow. weird. It was just like a little different. And I think that's changed a lot. But when I first moved out here, it was like a thing. I remember there was one night where three different people were like, where are you from? From I'm like, fuck this. Like, I was so upset. <laughs> um, but yeah. Do you feel like you can live out in the West Coast kind of more permanently? Do you feel you ever ever have the urge to move back to New York? Mm, oh, man. I mean, on my leisurely lunch break with my friend Allison, this is what we were talking about. We are like, oh, it feels... I mean, it does feel like a lot of people are leaving the Bay all the time because it's very expensive here. And, um, you know, it's hard because my family is in New York. And so many pod... You know, you're in New York, right? Yeah, yeah you're in New York. I'm, I'm and in Brooklyn. So, yeah. And like so many podcasters are in New York and it's just where the industry is. And it's um, so it is weird. Every time I'm in town, 
there's, there's a million people I want to interview. I want to see all my friends from college. I want to see my industry friends. I want to see my family. And I'm like, why am I not here? And then I get run down after, you know, four days. I'm like, oh, take, take me back west. So I don't know. I go back and forth about it all the time. I appreciate the perspective of being outside of New York, especially when I grew up in it and was like, this is the only place in the world. It's an amazing place. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what the future holds. I also fall in love with every city. Like everywhere. People in the office make fun of me. Like recently I went to Sacramento and I was like, you guys, Sacramento. Sacramento is beautiful. We should all move to Sacramento. <laughs> and then I was just in Columbus, Indiana. I was like, you guys, Columbus, Indiana. It's amazing. And I'm sure if I went to any, you know, I want to visit a friend of mine who lives in Boise and I'm sure I'll come back and be like, oh my God, you guys, Boise. Like uh, a friend of mine says, uh, I'm a floozy for every city. And I really, I just am like, oh. Look at the amazing, unique <laughs> place. And I guess New York is just the, the one that got away. It's the city I've known the longest. Uh, where'd you go to college? Uh, in Connecticut. I went to Wesleyan University. And there are a bunch of podcasters who went to Wesleyan. It's like this weird little mafia. All my doctor friends went to John Hopkins. So this is like yeah. podcast you. A lot like Oberlin and Wesleyan are like the podcast universities. And it's kind of this weird joke. Like I was just listening to a podcast where... Uh, that actually happens so many times where, like, the guest and the host are both like, oh, so we both went to Wesleyan. Okay. Like, it's just a weird thing. And it's a small school, but everyone just got really I, – I mean, I chose it in part because it has such a good college radio station. And it's a college radio station that is also an actual radio station. So it's not only students. It's also community members. And it was a great way to meet people. Um, and so I wonder if that's a part of it, if just like it's got a really great radio station and people go into radio from there. I don't know. Uh, you know, I've been podcasting for uh, me personally for over two years now. Um, but for you, you've had a, a way larger scope of of the industry um, and how it's changed. Uh, how has that change been for you seeing where podcasting was when you initially got into it and to what it's become now? So the interesting thing about it is like, so I'm a radio kid, right? Like I grew up with the radio. And at the time that I was introduced to podcasts, like the first, the podcasts that got me into podcasts were early episodes of Love and Radio and Too Much Information and 99% Invisible. These shows that were made by radio people who were upset with the way radio worked and they were using podcasts as this outlet to just like get wild and they were using weird noises and bleepy bloopy synthesizers and s interviewing i mean you know one of the most classic early episodes of love and radio the interviewer gets a gun pulled on him it's just like crazy gonzo shit and it just felt so punk i was like what is this world who are these crazy people? And, you know, there was no money in it. It almost felt like zines, like people were just putting out these strange ex art experiments out there into the world. And so I had always seen podcasts as this place to, like, escape whatever, NPR, APM, these these bastions, these halls of power and, and make strange things. And, of course, now it's, like, it was, it's just so weird. I like go to these conferences where people are about like building your personal brand and monetizing, which was stuff. As, it's sorry. It sounds so pretentious to be like, this was stuff I was never thinking about. Like, no, I did want a job in radio. Like I was thinking about money and I was thinking about opportunities. Like we all got to we all got to eat. We all got to pay rent. So I don't want to romanticize it too much in that way. But the stuff was 
I mean, you know, it was at this moment where it was crazy that you could curse. It was crazy that it didn't have any advertisements. It was crazy that it could be as long or as short as you wanted. It didn't have to fit the broadcast clock. And all that, all the, there were like no rules at all. And now as podcasting goes on, there are all these strange little conventions that are forming, you know, about like a way a podcast sounds. Like we can all make fun of podcasts now. They're conventional enough to like make fun of the Squarespace ads or make fun of the smarmy, you know, podcast host voice. But yeah, so I feel like it's just gotten like codified, codified and commercialized. But I don't want to like mourn it. I don't want to be like, oh, you know, I'm. there are a lot of people still doing crazy experimental stuff like Ross Sutherland and George the Poet. And it's like so many amazing people are taking crazy chances in podcasting now. So that's definitely still alive. And I'm glad that more that it's more accessible to more people and lots more voices are coming into it. Like there's so many great things about the way podcasting is now. Um, it's just strange. You know, it's, it's it, it really is a lot like music. It feels like it was this genre that took off. Uh, Avery, I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, we get into your show. No! <laughs> Wait, that's so perfect. It was just as we were talking about like the. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Language of podcasting. That's amazing. <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned this earlier uh, in the the first segment of the show, but tell me about you know how you first discovered podcasting again. Um, I first discovered it. So I was working at the college radio station, and there were, as I said, there were a lot of people who went to Wesley and who went on to work in radio, and I got it in my head to invite some of those people back to campus to give a talk. And like, it is so nice of these alumni to come back to camp like I didn't pay them I couldn't even I could we could like barely pick them up at the train station to like bring them to campus it was so nice that these amazing producers came to visit campus and one of them was uh Lynn Levy who worked at Radiolab at the time and now works at Gimlet and she makes some of my favorite shows like The Cut on Tuesdays Incredible and The Habitat and at the time she came to Wesleyan and she gave a little talk about how she made Radiolab and what was involved. And someone asked her about podcasts or I don't forget how it came up, but she was like, I listened to this show called Love and Radio. And at the time it felt like podcasts were this like secret thing that radio people, you know, it felt like classical, it felt like classical musicians listening to punk music like at night, you know, it just felt like this little secret way to unbutton. Uh, and that's like the gateway drug for me that blew my mind. And then, you know, the question used to be, Again, this like punk metaphor. The question used to be like, do you listen to podcasts? Do you know what podcasts are? Like I remember going to parties in college and finding someone else who like knew what podcasts were and be like, oh my God, do you like this one? Do you like that one? Do you like this one? And of course there were only like a hand, you know, there were like maybe 20 at the time that we all uh, listened listened to. And it's so funny that the, the question used to be like, do you know podcasts? And now the question is like, how many podcasts do you have? How'd you land at 99% Invisible? How'd that happen? Uh, I just, it was an internship listing and my friend Mickey, who went to Wesleyan with me and also did college radio with me, man, this is a lot about my school. Um, 
he and I were both applying to internships just everywhere, like radio internships. I remember I, I like applied and got rejected from New Hampshire Public Radio, Alaska Public Radio, like WNYC, just through the list. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get a job. I remember being so upset, like living at my parents' house, feeling so embarrassed. And there was this listing for an internship at 99% Invisible, which was one of my favorite podcasts. But I was like, man, I can't get another. I had, I had interned throughout college. Like every summer I would have an internship that was a couple days a week and I would like waitress on the other uh, weekdays. Every year, like every year I was in college, I was really driven. But then I was like, oh my God, this will be, you know, my fifth internship. That's insane. No one will hire. I'll just look like this <laughs> pathetic forever intern. You know, now in hindsight, I'm like, I was 22, but I was like, I'm an adult now. I shouldn't be an intern. Um, So I remember seeing that internship application and being like, nah, I don't need that. But um, at midnight, the night it was due, I remembered that 99% Invisible is based in California. And I was like, I have three hours to fill out this application before it times out in California. So I just did. I like filled it out at the last minute and then kismet lo and behold that was six years ago and now I'm now I'm here now it turned into an internship just kept getting extended and extended and it turned into a job that's crazy uh tell me for for the listeners who are maybe discovering 99% invisible for the first time which if you, you should definitely know what 99% invisible is. <laughs> but, if, but if you don't uh give me a, a brief uh, elevator pitch uh, of the show Sure. So 99% Invisible, well, it's called 99% Invisible because it's taken from a Buckminster Fuller quote. It's like 99% of who you are is uh, invisible and unknowable or something. But basically, it's it alludes to the idea that most of the constructed environment around us has been made and designed and thought through uh, down to the detail by designers, planners, uh thinkers, historians, um, that there's just so much thought put into the world around us. So it's a show about the built environment. Um, my boss, Roman Mars, started the show alone in his bedroom and really began from looking at, you know, why are buildings the way they are? What is the thought and care and the logic behind the places that we occupy? And as the show has grown and more people have come on, it's still very much a show about the built environment and about people, but it's expanded in scope so much. Um, so I guess it's like a show about people that's not overtly about people. It's telling human stories through objects and places and buildings. What does that feel like to have a, a show that you've worked on have such an impact uh, on the space and on the community and also, honestly, on the world of podcasting in general? Oh, my God. Wow, Corey. I mean, so, no, it's it's weird because I, I also relate to it like. 99% Invisible was one of my favorite shows. And I have these very strong memories of wandering around San Francisco when I was, you know, in, when I was a teenager, listening to 99% Invisible, looking out over the bay at Oakland and being like, wow, Roman Mars lives over there. I was I was totally starstruck. I still remain starstruck when, like, my boss calls me. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Roman Mars. Um, but the weird thing is I feel like I joined my favorite indie group. You know, I, I almost have no perspective on it anymore. And so it's strange to me. Like, I kind of can't believe the scope. It I know how personally meaningful it has been to me, but how much it's grown and how wide reaching it is, I can't quite fathom it. I mean, the other day I was in an Uber and we were talking about podcasts because that's what I like to talk about. And 
then it came, I like told the person that I work for 99% Invisible and they were like, oh my God, you're Avery Truffleman. Like that is inconceivable to me. It's totally crazy because the question I'm used to asking is, do you know what podcasts are? Not assuming that people already know, already know that podcasts are a thing and that a percentage of them already know that 99% Invisible is a thing. That is totally crazy. I mean, yeah, it, there, I kind of, I kind of can't believe it. I'm honored and I'm flattered and it's like totally lucky and weird. Uh, I, you know, I find you know, for me personally, it, it wasn't a big adjustment for me stepping into the role of being a podcast host because mm. I came from a background of being a rapper, which is very, you know, it's frontal talent. What has that transition been like for you kind of being, having a voice in the space, but also being perceived as a leader uh, in the space as well? Oh my God, that's another really good question. I mean, it's so weird. Um, yeah, no, that's the thing. I was totally ready to like, because when you work in radio, that's the idea, right? Like you are going to work in obscurity, behind the scenes, at least five people have to die before your voice will ever get on a microphone. Like this is your lot in life. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to be working behind the scenes. Um, so it's really weird now in this new, brave new world of podcasting. It's so personality driven. And so I recently hosted this uh, show with Vox Media called Nice Try about utopias. And... I First of all, I was like flummoxed that they reached out and asked me to host. Like, I don't, you know, I'm like a producer for someone else, which is so funny. And the other thing is that they wanted to do a photo shoot and like my face was on the thing. Um, like if you go to the iTunes store, like my face is behind it. And that was just so weird to me. Like, who will care? Who will know? You know, back in my day and like radio times, the question was, oh, <laughs> you know, people were like, I wonder what Lakshmi Singh looks like. Hmm, I guess we'll never know. Like, it was just this like beautiful mystery. And you're like, Audie Cornish, no idea. Nice voice. Okay. Like, just the face was not a part of it. And that was why I got into radio. And I was like, it is a selfishless, faceless, egoless medium. And then suddenly it's not anymore, which in some ways is kind of, you know, it's like fun to get your makeup done and it's fun to be in a photo shoot, but it's just like nothing, nothing I could have ever imagined it's weird it's cool um you know what while we're on the topic tell me about nice try and describe that to me uh so nice try is a show from vox media and one of their properties which is about urbanism and cities called curbed and i love that website and so when they reached out and they asked me to host this podcast about utopias i was like hell yes um and it is a show it is a i guess eight part series talking about different times in history that people have attempted to build a utopia. They, they've attempted to try to start a new society all over again with better rules and better ideas. And uh, most of the time, these, for some reason or another, do not work out. And it's interesting because sometimes people will be like, oh, is it like a cults podcast? And it's definitely, like, we could have made a version that's a cults podcast. Certainly, I think that the like logic behind any cult society is a similar idea of like, well, let's get out of, let's get out of this toxic, poisonous, uh, you know, tax funded uh, awfulness that we all live under. But no, we, we, it's not about cults. Like, it's really surprising. The first story that we did is about the founding of America. It's the story of Jamestown. We did a story about the founding of uh, Punjab province, uh, the capital of Punjab province, Chandigarh in India. Um, these places, some are, some of them are still around, like their buildings are still around, but the ideas have died or faded. 
Um, it's just like an, a, I was very blown away by the ideas that they came to me with. These are really like interesting, nuanced, important stories. Uh, not just like, oh, look at these weirdos with their long hair. <laughs> like they, <laughs> I, I think they all have uh, more of an impact. Yeah, it was really fascinating to learn about. Read a lot of books about utopias, which is something I think we're all thinking about right now. We're all wondering, like, is there a way out of this? Is there something better? And the answer is like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but before we get into our, our podcaster's pick segment, I, I want to uh, talk about our articles of interest. So when I started at 99% Invisible, I was the intern and I was the only... I was like the girl on staff and I think I felt a lot of pressure to be one of the guys and cover like cool, cool stuff, you know, be like, I can talk about concrete. I can talk about kerning. Like I'm nerdy. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm down. Like I can nerd out with the best of them, but it always just felt like this really conspicuous gaping hole that we weren't talking about clothing, which we have way more autonomy over than the buildings we dwell in. Like, what we wear is a huge part of the built environment. And I think I was scared to touch it because I didn't want to like be the girl talking about clothes. And I think it just took, and I've been thinking about it since I started. Like I've been thinking about doing a series about clothing since I was 16 years old. And I saw a retrospective of Vivian Westwood's work at the De Young Museum in San Francisco. And when I found out that someone had to design punk, I mean, to me, that was always a 99% invisible story. Like the, the, the things you like, you're wearing a plaid shirt right now. Like the things we take for granted that we assume, like there's so much thought behind them. There, someone has thought and designed our world, including what we wear in this really long, hard way. Um, so I think it just took years of getting comfortable talking about fashion because it gets so maligned very unfairly, I would say. You know, and I, I totally agree. And I was a big fan of that series because people, I think, lose perspective that clothing was the first form of human technology. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it, it's this was like the first like <laughs> this was Apple. <laughs> yes. This was, the, this was the iPhone for humans when we were cavemen, cave people. Yes, it's exactly exactly. It drove the Industrial Revolution. It drove slavery. It drove like everything. Every like the written word like text comes from textere to weave like everything comes down to clothes. It's totally nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. So Avery, we are at a point in the show called our podcasters picks. And this is when I asked the subject of today's show uh, to provide me with three, their top three favorite podcasts that you enjoy that we should be listening to. Yeah. Okay. So my number one favorite podcast is the Paris Reviews podcast. It's just called the Paris Review. It's so delicious. It's so good. It's just so like the Paris Review has this amazing backlog of stories and interviews and just this archive and the way that they weave it into audio is just so clever and so smart and so respectful of the listener because it's non-narrated there's no one like you know welcome to the Paris Review podcast I'm so and so they just kind of start and they like use sound to illustrate all the stories in this really clever way and they reenact archival interviews they have archival audio it's just this amazing grab bag you never know what you're gonna get and when they do hire actors they're based in LA and they hire just the most extraordinary voice talent um, my favorite episode is number nine it's called God etc and it's Jesse Eisenberg reading this extraordinary story it's like I just think it's a perfect show I think the Paris Review podcast is a perfect show 
Um, what else do I like? I've really been enjoying the cut on Tuesdays. The cut on Tuesdays has been extraordinary. Wow, I guess I really like magazines that get turned into podcasts. It's very similar to the Paris <laughs> Review podcast in that it is uh, a magazine or a section of New York magazine that they've partnered with uh, Gimlet and have turned some of their articles into radio shows um, and like really reported it out in these really thoughtful, considerate ways. And the cut covers everything from fashion, culture, politics. I mean, really, really smart. And it's hosted by one of the writers from the cut, Molly Fisher. Um, and it's it's great. It's like a it's always a good listen. Uh, they did a great like they went to Elizabeth Warren's house. Like it's just interesting, just like very interesting stuff. And then this one's kind of a, a giveaway. I'm sure everyone has said this to you, but look, Reply All. Do you listen to Reply All? Of course. All? Oh, yeah, PJ, Reply man. All is just they're the masters. So gotta listen to Reply All every time. Every time it comes out, I like let out a little squeal. I'm just so excited that Reply All is out. <laughs> so yeah, I love Reply All. And uh, you know, every why do you podcast? Because. I don't know how to spell and I could never be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> That's at this point, it's actually kind of true. I've actually forgotten how to use uh, punctuation. I don't know how to do it. Avery, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Pod bless you. Thank you. Pod bless you. Pod bless you too. Pod bless us all. Thank you all so much for checking out another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Avery Truffleman. You can find 99% Invisible on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. This episode was mixed by Joshua Coleman. Music for this episode was produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, be sure to leave us a five-star rating in the Apple app and let me know your favorite podcast in the review section. Lastly, before we get out of here, check out my other show, Silent Giants which highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. And you can find Silent Giants on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. God bless y'all. Till next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.